to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Joachim Eriksson, and I'm the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. Episode 121. Can you guys hear that? It's... Can you hear it? It's the sound of a frog. There was, like, an insane amount of rain. We had a lot of rain, like, two weeks ago, over three days. And then for this, there was a storm for, like, 24 hours that just hit us yesterday and today. And they were being like, oh, yeah, so we got all that rain a few weeks ago over three, day, three days, and now we're going to get the same amount of rain over, like, 12 hours. So everything's going to flood, and it's going to be one massive mudslide. And I could barely get out of my driveway because it was just – I had to um, switch into four-wheel drive to even get out of my drive wheel, driveway. But now there's a frog sound, which is like a cartoon. It's like how in a cartoon when you want to signal to the viewer – that there's water everywhere, that like someone flipped a tub over and caused a flood and water sh- floods down the stairs and the whole bottom floor and there's water everywhere. And then s- there's a r- frog sitting on someone's head making a ribbit sound. That's how in a cartoon you you signal that there's been flooding and that's 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 my reality right now. That's fine. Um, today I have like 15 really, really small things I want to talk about, but I also know that no thing I talk about is ever small. Do you guys hear that? Do you hear this frog? That is so rude. Uh, What if he's podcasting? (laughs) I know that nothing I talk about is small and also I have no energy. So we got to make this a short episode because I'm, I'm... Low energy Joe today, but we got to make this work. So first thing I got to talk about is like, man, I'm struggling. Like I haven't had a proper amount of time off for the, for a few months. And I would like, even on my, I would not always get two days off. And even when I had days off, I would still do work. And be a little bit plugged in and be texting with people and be arranging things. And um, what happens when you don't have time off properly for a long time is you you kind of forget how to have time off. So then when you get time off, it becomes this really disorienting thing where you don't know what to do. I think that's how a lot of people experience it. That's how I experience it sometimes. And that's how I experienced it like recently when things calmed down a little bit and then this week I had three days off and I really had to go back to the reading like there's this book uh, Buddhism Without Belief and there's this book 4,000 Weeks 4,000 Weeks is like time management like how we it's a it's an argument for how we shouldn't do time management how we we should just be and they both books talk about all this stuff right all this like really highfalutin philosophical stuff on how you should think about time in yourself and just be in the moment and everything. And it's like, let me explain how poorly this works in reality. So like, it's my day off and I'm going around and like all my devices are blinking red, like the battery is dying. So I go to CVS to buy batteries, right? And so... I'm just like, it's such a boring task, but I'm just like trying to be grateful to be in every moment. (laughs) So I'm at CVS and I'm like buying batteries and have written down the four digit code for the flat round 
small battery for my fucking water filter that's blinking red, trying not to be stressed out about how I'm drinking poison. And then I'm checking out and like I put my phone number in and it took like four tries and then she finally put it in and then it turns out I don't have a CVS membership. And then she's like, do you want to sign up for a CVS membership? And I'm just trying to like be in the moment and just be open to all situations and just trying to like be here for what life can give and not like say, I want to say <laughs> I want to say yes to life so I'm like yeah I'll sign up for a CVS membership and then we go through this whole thing and a line starts forming behind me and it's like uh, I'm not sure I'm on the right track when it comes to Buddhism and then finally we there are all these questions on the little computer that she has to ask me and then we get to the last question and and it's like e I put in my email and my phone number and stuff and then the last question is like do you want to get emails from CVS promotional emails and I'm like yes I clicked yes cuz I'm just trying to like be here for it I'm just trying to be interested in everything I'm just trying to be present I'm just trying to be curious I'm not trying to be distracted. Even if it's pain, I I want to feel the pain fully. And the lady looks at me. The lady who works at CVS looks at me and says, and this is something she actually said. She goes, you want to receive emails from us? <laughs> it was like she signed up so many people and no one has ever said that they want us. No one has ever said yes to the promotional emails. Like it's her job to sign people up and she works for them and you know clout and she should be invested in it and she should want people to this someone is writing these emails you know these promotional emails like they're putting time and effort into this thing so someone should is no one am i the only one getting the emails like and no one else is it i don't know i'm certain that there's a bunch of really really old ladies who accidentally pressed yes and stuff but <clears throat> but the way she looked at me and said you want to receive emails from us really made me feel like i i put this buddhism on wrong like i took this buddhism and i thought it was a pair of shoes and i put them on my feet but they were gloves or something you know like it was a hat and i put it on my foot or like something like that you know i i put it on wrong i put it on backwards I put the whole thing on backwards. And then like I drove down to Roseville and I did a bunch of stuff and I had a bunch of errands and stuff and I'm so like anxious about certain things about it beforehand. And then as I'm anxious beforehand, I tried to sit with that feeling of anxiety and just be like I will get to each moment and I will just show up for each moment and I will just be able to do it even though I'm feeling really depressed and really sleep deprived and really avoidant and I just want to fucking swore off the fucking Bullard's Bar Dam bigger than Hoover Dam and just just have a couple of seconds of flying through the air and then just like sweet sweet release uh, I'm like no we're gonna stay within the lines here and we're just gonna be good and we're going to be here for this moment in the car going to the different errands. And then when we get to the different errands, we will just be there for them. And then as I'm anxious beforehand, 
it's so easy to be like, oh my God, after this, I'm going to feel so exhilarated and so thrilled. But I know from having lived now, this is not the first day that I am alive, um, that whenever I f- succeed with something or finish with something, the feeling of the positive feeling afterwards of success is so short lived. And really what happens is that my mind is quickly refilled with anxiety about the next thing that's coming up. So before something stressful going on, I try to remind myself like, hey, so when this thing is over, try to sit with the feeling of joy of the success for as long as you sat with the feeling of anxiety beforehand. So I tried to do that. And I tried to just sit in my car afterwards and just like be there with how how it's over and how it's like stressful things are done and I like succeeded and I was like there in the moment and I like said what I needed to say and and the world is so nice and when you when you just rack up a couple of years to sobriety and you just go about things slowly and you just like follow the script and follow the rules you have little good moments and like there are services and like life society fucking works a little bit if you just slow it down and ask for help you know like if you just ask for help you can be okay and we don't and then you know we all die one day and that's all right but it's like for the for the duration like we can be a little bit okay and we can ask for help and asking for help is so goddamn hard but anyway so I sat with that feeling of success a little bit afterwards and I went and had some ramen and and I'm in Roseville and I I went to a place called Fukumi Ramen and goddamn that's some good ramen and then I had this idea that I wanted to buy a um footrest basically well first of all I wanted to buy a a a, a, sh- a chaise lounge so all of these words I'm saying here like a chaise we're going to come up on a lot of words here it's so funny to me how parallel it is to I don't know why, but there's something about shopping where there's like this incredible specificity to shopping. I think I'm I don't think I'm unique in how I'm extremely particular. Once you get to a certain point and you like start realizing that the stuff you buy, you end up having that stuff for fucking ever. And things get cluttered in your house really quickly. And one of the things you learn from that is that, so we better pick some good stuff. Because picking up, because like my 20s was me just buying the cheapest one and then having to buy another one and then having four shitty ones at my house of everything. And then you, it's so cluttered and you have four shitty ones and they don't work very well. And it's like, just like, your bad decision. Can you hear this fucking, I almost called it rabbit. Can you hear this frog? Like, I am so offended by this rude frog. Like, could you not set up your podcast studio so close to my podcast studio? But anyway, so one thing that I think everyone goes through this, where in your 20s, you make bad decisions and you buy a bunch of cheap stuff. And then in your 30s, you have some money and you've de- you've decided that it actually makes more sense to just invest in a good one of everything and then just keep it for 20 years, you know? Be it like a fucking um, shelf that you're going to put plants on or be it a knife or be it a toaster oven or be it socks, you know? We're going to have these things for a while 
and we're going to get rid of all the shitty old ones and we're going to get all new nice ones and we're just going to go with these nice ones. And so what? So I'm particular. And then there's this thing where for some reason there's this weird parallel to when I lived in China, um, you, you go on the Chinese internet and the Chinese internet is um, like in – the Amazon in China, it's called Jingdong. Like, there's a couple of them. There's Jingdong or JD is, like, the fancier stuff. It's more like Amazon. And then Taobao is where anyone can put stuff up on Taobao. It's not vetted in any way. But the stuff on Taobao is literally, like, you know, half a kwai, you know, five cents. And they'll send you anything. And shipping is, like, super cheap. So... You get on there and there's this vast open feeling where you feel like you can get absolutely whatever you want because you're living in the country where everything is made and they will sell it to each other for for nothing. So all you have to do is pretend to be a Chinese person on the internet. So just do it in Chinese and if you go on English language Taobao or English language Jingdong, you're screwed. And there's way fewer shit and everything is super expensive. But so... Um, I remember all these experiences of of wanting something, but but it's almost like like it's not actually learning. It's not language learning, but it's like I don't know what the thing is called that I want. But I remember trying to buy a wife beater and not knowing what it's called and realizing that whatever word I look up is pretty far from – like if I look up, you know, um, tank top – in the dictionary. It's going to be just very different from what I'm looking for. But but you can go by the picture and then each picture will, ha- will have like 20 characters in the header. Um, the, each product will have like a product description. So then if you just go through a bunch of them, your brain without – you're not learning the language because you don't really think about how the words are pronounced or you're not using these words in a sentence. Like this is not language learning. It is more like capitalism. Where you like learn that the, this three character combination that you see here really correlates with something that you think looks really good. So you just copy that three characters and then you search a bunch. And then you realize that it's actually if you add these two words, all the ones that have these two words, two characters before those three characters, those are the best looking ones. So you copy those five characters and you search for those. And then you like... um keep adding on characters and you get to this like combination that probably means something like modern, slick, city wear, uh, street fashion, tank top or something, you know, like just weird buzzwords that don't, aren't really look upable in a dictionary. Like they don't really, it's not that helpful to look them up in a dictionary, but you, you search for this word combination and you get a picture on the screen of something you think looks really cool. And it's like, bye. And so I have this strangely parallel uh, thing in America where, like, I want something. I want, like, a piece of furniture. And so I want this specific – like, I want something that's where my legs can be straight and I can lean back and be on my laptop. But it also has to be good for uh, looking at a TV. But it also has to be tiny because my house is really small. So it's, like, super – like the need is really specific and I honestly don't really know what it is that I want. But so in a very similar way of how you copy certain characters that you don't know what they mean, but you copy them and you get a picture of something that you like. In the same way I've learned the word 
chase lounge. <laughs> like, what the fuck is a chase lounge? So funny. If you search for chase lounge, you just get this like narrow, long thing that you can have your legs on straight. But then I've been looking at them and then I realized that they're too big and, and my neck will hurt. Um, because I'll be always turned the same way and I'll have to look to the right to watch TV and it just won't be good. So after weeks of looking at different ones on the internet and being like, fuck it, I'll just spend a thousand bucks on something called a chase lounge. Because once you invest in a thing like that, you keep it forever. Like that's the whole, like that's the magic of investing in a couch, you know? It's literally... In the book Fight Club, he's literally like, whatever happens, we have the couch problem figured out. It's what the whole, like, this is, what I'm saying now is actually really just, I'm restating something from the book Fight Club, because he's also like, what the fuck is a a duvet? Which is so weird, because duvet is not that fancy of a word anymore. Like, I would be more confused by, I'm more confused by the word that means the same thing, which is like a throw. Like, a throw is such a, like, what the fuck is a throw? Like, all these crate and barrel words are so strange to me. But, so, I realized that a chase lounge is not the thing. So, when I just had this epiphany, sitting, having ramen, where I was like, I've been looking at the Facebook marketplace, and I've been, because Natasha, shouts out to Natasha, she's always saying how Facebook marketplace is, is the tits, like you can find anything on there. And the Alta Sierra, where she lives... Alta Sierra uh, Facebook Marketplace is pretty popping. But really, I'm in Sacramento, and I just had this moment where I, (laughs) for some reason, I just wanted to have the idea, look on Facebook Marketplace, contact someone, go straight over to the house, seal the deal, and get the whole thing done in, like, one hour. And it just had this, like... um, I don't know. It had this really spontaneous feel to it where buying a piece of furniture, like just, I don't know. There was something about it. And it, it clearly it really reminds me of how I have I have never met anyone from Tinder. Is that right? Let me think. I don't know. I'll I'll send it to the fact checkers later on. But I don't think I've ever met anyone from Tinder. But I've been on Tinder for like a total of maybe like 90 minutes my whole life. And there is this one thing on there that I find to be such a fun and lighthearted and um, good idea. And it is the, um, it's, I can't remember what it's called, but there's some feature on Tinder, which is called something like, are you free tonight or something where you like go into this, it's like a Tinder within Tinder where everyone swiping on that uh, sub module of Tinder is available tonight and looking for just to go on a date tonight because it's so it can be you can become very fatigued with the long uh, boring drawn out process of texting a bunch before like see, meeting someone in real life and and so I've always been I always felt like that was such a good idea the are you free tonight thing because it's like I mean I, when I'm saying it it sounds it sounds like I'm suggesting or it sounds like it I'm portraying it as a weird sex hookup thing and i mean tinder is a weird sex hookup thing but i really believe that there is a there there's a way to just use it as an as a date thing where it's like you are available tonight and you want to go on a date so you go on there but the thing about it is that i don't live in a big city 
And it's the kind of feature that needs a really critical mass, very large population pool for to have the liquidity of people to be able to, like, my days off are Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, if I go here in North San Juan where there's, like, probably 5,000 growers live, I mean, trim, trim immigrants live in these hills, and maybe 500 of those people have phones, and maybe two of those people are on Tinder, right? And the idea that that, like, it wouldn't work here. Not that I'm on dating apps, you know, I'm not on dating apps, but I'm just saying it doesn't work here. But the idea of it is very interesting to me. And it's something that where I'm jealous of people who live in big cities. But so a version of Are You Free Tonight is Facebook Marketplace, buy a couch. So I'm having ramen. And then I have this idea. It comes to me that what I want is not what the Americans call a chase lounge. What what I want is, and I don't know what it's called, but my what my mom calls a puff. And it's a it's a footrest. It's the thing you put in front of the couch to rest your feet on. And I don't know what it's called. And I'm for some reason I'm yeah, I don't know. For some reason I'm convinced that it's called a puff. So I literally Google puff, foot puff, couch puff. And then I realized that yeah, like I was gonna I my in my mind I was thinking like I was thinking like, I don't know why I call it this, but no, it's just my mom. It's what it's called in Swedish. And it's what my mom calls it. And honestly, I don't even think it's a real word in Swedish. I think it's just what my mom calls it. You know, a puff. It's the thing you put your feet on. So I'm Googling this and I go through the same thing that I went on Taobao where like, I don't understand any of the words, but I know, but I click all the pictures and I can see the words next to the pictures and I can notice which words are more common next to the stuff I like. So I, I copy more and more of the words and I get finally to what it is. It's called an ottoman. It's called an ottoman. How fucking random is that? You know? There are two empires that lasted from when Jesus was born to when Elvis, Elvis was born. One of them is the Persian Empire. The other one is the Ottoman Empire. Why is it called an Ottoman? Like the thing of all the things that a 2,000-year-old empire and people could have named in the world. And I mean, a 2,000-year-old empire that spanned like three continents, I'm certain they invented probably a fifth of all stuff, you know? Like a bookcase could probably be called an ottoman or like a desk, you know, or a cup because they were probably invented by the Ottomans because it's just like they were just a good slice of the world for most of, you know, the modern era. But anyway, the thing that the Americans named after the Ottoman, the, the thing that they associate with the Ottomans is, a puff. It's like, okay, I'm just going to go with it. And then I have this other thing where it's like, when I hear that, I'm like taken aback. And I have this like uh, matrix flashback moment or whatever, where it's like so much learning happens in one moment. And like, I'm brought back to the TV show 30 Rock. Uh, shouts out to Dave and Sebastian. We used to always watch 30 Rock. I probably watched every single episode three times. And we had a big apartment and we had four of everything. And it was just a shitty version. Because that was the time of our life that we were in. We had four of everything and it was the cheapest version. 
we bought the cheapest version and it didn't work very well, so we had to keep buying them and we had four of everything. And we watched 30 Rock on repeat on the TV and every joke is hilarious. And there's this character, Jack Donaghy, and he hooks up with all these celebrities and it's 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 just like a... He's the CEO of a big corporation. There's a lot of corporate comedy and stuff, but he it's it's um not Jack Black. What what's his name? Alec Baldwin. So it's Alec Baldwin, he plays Jack Donaghy and then he is in love with a news anchor lady played by Selma Hayek. And when she was on that show is when I realized that she had huge boobs. Didn't realize that before. Um and he falls in love with her, but she leaves him. And he has this line that he says where he goes, they had sex and all this stuff and and it wasn't good enough. And he, he looks into the, he like, he's talking to his, his sidekick protege uh, woman, best friend, Liz Lemon. And she's sitting on the couch and he walks over to the window and he looks out through the window and it's raining outside. And he just like wistfully looks out and he has this, thousand mile stare and he's really sad and he whispers to himself i gave her the ottoman and she walked out on me anyway that's how i remember it so now i'm gonna google what the line actually is okay so the line is i gave her the ottoman and she walked out so i mean this is a podcast about memory and um, the fallibility of memory but here we fell on our own premise because here i pretty much remembered it correctly and so that that this sort of like suggestion of the joke is that there's something, some weird sex thing that happened with a piece of furniture called an ottoman. And I we don't know what, what an ottoman is at the time, but it sounds like something that maybe has wheels. And like, it's just funny with like unexplained sexual positions and stuff is funny. It's a, it's a, it can be done well. So in the moment when I learned the word Ottoman, I am transported back to the three times I probably watched that episode where he said that. And I finally know what an Ottoman is. And now that I Google it, Urban Dictionary has this uh, entry. And it's so it's so boring, actually. Because when a lot of times the comedy is in the not knowing. The not explaining is what makes it funny. It's like a horror movie is it's scary because of what you don't see and your mind fills it in with its own hilarity. So to go to Urban Dictionary and to write an entry for the Ottoman um, kills the comedy of it. Like it's not, I'm not going to read it and I suggest you don't either. On Urban Dictionary, there is a entry for the Ottoman and it's a description of a sexual position. I only know that because those are the first words and I didn't read it and I am not gonna. And that's where we're at with that. So um, I, I'm sitting and I'm having ramen at at Fukushima ramen or whatever. And um, it's like um, I go on Facebook Marketplace and I search for Sacramento. I search for Ottomans in Sacramento. And I find three really good-looking ones. Real real prize pigs. And I message all three of them. And Facebook Marketplace is pretty... They really tried, is what I'll say about it. I don't know that they... There's no, like, savvy AI involved. There's nothing actually difficult in terms of engineering, but they really tried. So the whole thing is like, 
you don't have to type out the message, hey, is this thing still available? That's pre, pre-typed for you to make your job as easy as possible. So you just tap one time and that sends that message from you. And then I like to add in another word, right? Because I don't want to sound too canned. I don't want to sound too pre-written because then it sounds like I'm not interested because I'm here trying to like, I'm trying to fuck tonight, you know? I'm on Tinder and I'm like trying to do, I'm on the one night stand module, the sub, the Tinder within a Tinder that's like super slutty. So I'm like trying, I'm trying to give her the ottoman, if you know what I'm saying. So I'm texting these ladies, right? With three of them with ottomans and um, I'm having some ramen. And then I flip my phone over and like two of them responded right away. And then I only respond to one of them, the better looking Ottoman. And then, man, just brand new looking Ottoman, right? Uh, so pink, plush, freshly upholstered. Um, so then, because I don't respond to the other one, I get these notifications from Facebook Marketplace where it keeps being like, hey, you didn't respond. You want to respond? And it's like pushing both people, really adamantly pushing both people to make the communication as liquid as possible. And it's really like I really believe that the computer and the UX design can do a lot for the liquidity of it all. And man, so I messaged this girl and she's like, and I'm like, can I? I, I, she's like, it's available. And I'm like, can I pick it up today? And she's like, yep, I'm home. And I'm like, what area are you in? And she's like, I'm in North Natomas. Um, such bougie. I don't actually know that to be true, but I think Citrus Heights and Natomas and some of those places are kind of bougie suburbs. Uh, Sacramento is a weird, like, non-city that's just a bunch of neighborhoods. It's, like, all suburbs. It's suburbs all the way down, and then there's the tiniest little um, center in the middle of it. It's the most ridiculous city shape. But anyway, so I'm I'm texting them, and I'm like, hey, I'm just going to... I'm thinking I'm going to put this ottoman on on my um on the back of my in the bed of my truck, right? Cuz it's a big old ottoman. So I'm like it's raining outside. So I'm like I'm just going to go to the hardware store and get a tarp since it's raining and I could be over in an hour. That's what I tell her. And she's like, "Sounds great." And it's like 75 bucks and I had just um walked around and I'd just been to Macy's, like a furniture store called Macy's. And I'd looked at all these puffs and they were like a thousand bucks each. So I'm on Facebook Marketplace and it's $75 and I'm, I, you know, who, what's better than a good deal, you know? Like the dad, the rad dad character inside of me comes out. But so I go and I get a $10 tarp from Lowe's next door to the ramen place. Everything's going real quick and smooth. I go to the ATM, I get some cash and she gives me her address and I'm driving over there and and I'm trying to trying to figure shit out and and as I'm driving over there I'm like looking at her Facebook pictures and stuff and she looks like this like middle-aged family mom with like she's got like three kids and her husband is built real big and stuff so I'm like a little bit nervous about going over there cuz I'm feeling so avoidant and just like first of all I don't think you know at all what to expect when you do some Facebook Marketplace shit. 
because it is the Craigslist of now. Like I think it can be anything from you go to some house and it's like a weirdo, like a true, true like fringe weirdo who doesn't have the thing and who's just want to be weird with you and like do sex crimes on you and stuff. All the way to the other end of the spectrum where I think stores probably advertise on Facebook Marketplace and pretend to be people. And then they are actually like you, you roll up on something you think is going to be someone's house, but it's actually, you just, it's a box store and they're just like, they have a thousand foot puffs that they're, they're just slinging foot puffs on Facebook Marketplace, trying to be like, trying to be Susan with three kids over here, you know? So I'm almost texting her and being like, so is this like someone's house or, or is this like, um, a store like like are you uh just a person or stuff but i'm like let's not text that you know let's not text that let's just go with it let's just be present in the moment just like when i accidentally signed up for a cvs membership let's just be present in the moment let's just be open to anything let's just say yes to life and just even if it's painful let's just feel it fully like time management is a myth there is like there is only now and the only thing we can do is to be present in this moment. And I don't have anywhere to rest my feet. Okay. So I need this. So let's just be here for the process of getting it. And at the end of it, hopefully I have somewhere to put my feet up, you know, so I can be on my laptop in a chill way. So I can maybe like finally get my life in order. This is really what's going to be the last piece of the puzzle here. So I can put my feet up and be focused on my laptop, and I can't focus on my laptop, and it's probably because I don't have a proper thing to rest my feet on. That's the working theory, okay? So I'm driving over there. I'm trying not to text this lady anything weird, and I'm trying to not be weirded out by how she might be weird. And then there's this horrible feeling in the back of my head where it's like, am I the weird guy, you know? Like, am I the Craigslist guy that people are worried about? Like, am I going to be weird if I go over there? But then I'm like, no, that's never how things go. Except that's how things go for me in Sweden. In Sweden, I'm the Craigslist guy. And every experience I have, I walk into the experience and I have certain expectations of like how it could go well, things I could worry about. And then the, the, what happens is just so much worse. What happens is just so much like everyone just looked at me like I'm such a freak and I feel I end up with such a feeling of alienation and everything is just horrible. But the moment I left Sweden, in China and in America, I just enter into situations and other people are weird too. And we just sort of, you know, look at each other a little bit and, and then we're like, yeah, okay, how, how are you doing? Hi there. You know, how's your day going? Is, can I Can I help you with that, sir? You know, you're good. You know, this fella today, <laughs> we're in this place, everyone's wearing a mask. And then this fella, he, 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 the one guy not wearing a mask, he looks at me and I had these big old muddy boots on because it's like a storm and a flood outside. And there's like four inches of standing water right outside of my door that I need to walk through to get to my car. And when I get to my car, I have to put it in four wheel drive to even get out of my driveway. So I got big old muddy boots on. And the one guy without fucking a mask on, he looks at me and he goes, wow, boy, do you have the boots for this? Cause it's coming down outside, you know, and every, everything's a mudslide. 
And I look at him and I go, yeah, no kidding. Because I know what to say when the Americans speak to me. You know how long it took for me to learn how to say stuff like that? Yeah, no kidding. It's a perfect response. <laughs> perfect timing. Perfect choice of word. Idiomatic. In the language classroom, we call that, that's an idiomatic phrase. Yeah, no kidding. And then you just turn around and walk away from him because you want to signal to the rest of the group that I don't respect him because he's not wearing a mask. That's not idiomatic. That's not a language thing. That's a <clears throat> that's war. That's war. That's different. All all language. All war is about language, except language. Language is about sex. Um, man, I watched that movie White Noise yesterday. So good. So many one-liners. I think I have to read that book. So many funny one-liners. Adam Driver is yeah. He he's a champ. Maddie and me were kind of live blogging it to each other slash she was live blogging. I don't know how to use my phone. So she sent me all the good one-liners and Adam Driver is talking to a doctor and he goes, I, I never have any control over what I say to doctors. Anyway, I think you had to be there. Um, so where was I in this story? Yeah, so I'm driving over to this lady who's selling me a foot puff, which the Americans called an, an ottoman. Um, and... I'm tr I'm I'm thinking I'm looking at the pictures of her family and I'm like trying just to get myself in the right headspace of just like confronting some American normies and just you know it's just some guy from the internet so it's probably it's more probable that I'm going to run into the husband I feel like than the wife because the husband probably thinks it's weird if some guy just shows up and you send your wife out there. The more normy American way to do it is probably to go out there and be the husband. And maybe he looks up from his grill and he goes, "Oh yeah, you're here for the you're here for the puff," but he wouldn't say that. But and then there's some kids and he's like, "Don't mind the kids." And I'm playing this out in my head and I'm like I'm like, "How can I not be weird, you know? How can I just be there for that and not be weird?" And I just tried to get myself in the correct headspace. And um, and I'm trying to see, be optimistic about it. I'm trying to see it positive and be like, it could just all be good, you know? It could just all be like totally pleasant. She sells me an ottoman. I give her 75. But I, might, I might even, I even thought about giving her 80 because I, I didn't have change. And then I found some change in what's called the center console. <clears throat> These are the most recent words I've learned. Center console, ottoman, chase lounge. Um, so I find some change and I get to 75 and, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready and I count it out and I have it in my pocket, count it out all ready to go. And then I put it in my wallet because I'm like, I don't want to meet. I wanna, don't want to seem too ready like I took it out of my pocket, but I'll put it in my wallet and I'll take it out of my wallet already counted. And then... I'm thinking, and I'm trying to be positive, I'm thinking, like, what if we, like, strike up a conversation, and like, what if I become friends with her husband, you know? Like, what if this lady, because I'm pretty sure I'm not going to roll up there and it's a store. It sounds like I'm looking on the map, and it's super suburbia, so it's like someone's house. And I'm driving in there, and they have these super charming, like, um hanging street lights like string lights going from tree to tree lining the entire street 
and it's super charming. It's like a really warm yellow color. These big exposed Edison bulbs is what the crate and barrel would call them. Um, and then you get up to like <clears throat> halfway down the block and a, and there's like three separate trees that have blown down and tore down the whole light fixture thing. And there's trees all over the road. So I'm like, perfect small talk. Like it's su- that's such perfect, like natural something to mention. No one, when I roll up on someone at their house, and I might become friends with the husband. And like, we might become, I might send her a Facebook friend request at the end of this. And I might, you know, I might go over for dinner later when, when summer happens and it's Sacramento and they do a barbecue and stuff. They might invite me to dinner and we might have a conversation. They might, you know, I might make a friend here. Maybe Facebook Marketplace is this open, fast moving thing where it's not impossible to make friends. So I'm going to roll up there and I'm going to be like, wow, look. So the storm really came through here, huh? Like these trees all came down in the lights. And, you know, the light bulbs and the trees and the... You no, know, there's no way to fuck that small talk up. It That script writes itself. And no one can... No one would look at me for bringing that up and being like, what a weird guy for bringing that up. Because it looked like a hurricane came through and commenting on the hurricane is a natural thing to do. So I'm rolling up on her, li- on her house and I'm feeling really good about it all. And I'm feeling like I might become friends with her husband. Um, I'm just going to be totally chill. I'm wearing a collared shirt. And I see that they have a Tacoma in the driveway and I drive a Tacoma and it's like, oh, perfect. This is perfect, dude. This is fucking meant to be. Because the whole thing, I'm like, am I wearing the wrong shoes? Am I driving the wrong car? Like, is there something about me that I'm not from the the great city of Sacramento where I'm up in the foothills? Like, is there something about how they think people up there are weird? And I think they do. Like, the people up in the foothills are really North Cal. Like, when people talk about North Cal and, like, you know, that line and, like, the fucking um, Shel Silberstein. No, what's his name? Baz Luhrmann. His name is Baz Luhrmann, and he has a song named um, – the song is called Wear Sunscreen, and it's just a bunch of one-liner pieces of life advice. And there's something in the song about, like – you should live in New York once, but you should leave before it makes you hard. And then you should, um, that w- when I said it, it sounded like erection hard, but that's not what he meant. Jaded. Leave before it makes you jaded. Leave before it makes you hard. And then you should live in Northern California once, but you should leave before it makes you soft. And that Northern California that he's talking about there is the foothills where everyone's a hippie. You know, like try going to the Ridge Cafe up here in North San Juan at 1 p.m. any day of the week, 365 days a year. It's like, it's a fucking circus. Um, What was I talking about? Yeah, so I'm rolling up in their house and I'm really worried about them thinking that I'm that kind of North Cal or just that I'm like weird foreigner or that there's just something that's a little bit off about me because I'm wearing slightly weird shoes that... I don't know, because I swapped swapped my shoes out. I wasn't wearing the muddy boots. I was wearing some backup pair of black sneakers I had in the back that didn't really go with my super skinny sweatpants. 
So my feet were looking kind of big. So I was feeling a little bit self-conscious about my weird-looking big feet um, rolling up on this lady's house. But I was feeling really good about how we both drive Tacomas and how I had the small talk locked in, like what I was going to talk about, because it's like the trees blew down. There was a storm. It's very natural for us to talk about that for a little bit. And so I find her house. I do a Yui. I pull up next to her house and I check my phone and there's a message from her where she goes, oh, if I'm busy when you come over, I just put the ottoman outside and you can just put the money under the mat. And so I go up there and I'm like, what does that mean if you're busy? Like, are you busy? Like, am I supposed to knock on the door? But I just felt like this is just... Her way of saying, hey, maybe we can just do this not Craigslist style, you know? Like, maybe we can just do this not weird. And so I just, the ottoman was smaller than I thought. I didn't need a tarp. I could just fit it in my back seat. I put $75 under her mat, and I never met the lady. That's what happened. And I drove away from there and I was feeling like, wow, that is so like, cause I have this sense of jealousy about living in a big city because there's so much, um, liquidity. When the pool is bigger, you get more movement and that movement is liquidity. And you need that. You need market makers. Market makers need a certain amount of stuff to be able to find a buyer and a seller for every goods and every service and every interaction and everything you want. And it goes for Tinder and it goes for Ottomans and it goes for everything. Whatever friendship or hobby or whatever you want, you need a certain larger size of population to find liquidity. Like I would love a chess club, you know, but all there was was all I could find was some pilot vet who'd been shot down who fucking wants to assassinate Joe Biden. That's the only other guy in this small town within a 40-mile radius. It's the only other guy playing chess, a guy who wants to assassinate Joe Biden. And I can't play chess with him anymore. I can't. I did every week for a long time. And that was before I started a Holbrook, and I can't do that anymore. And... If I was living in a big city, I have this idea in my head that I could find everything I want because there's enough liquidity. But I think this Ottoman thing is like a perfect encapsulation of what it actually is like. Because a city is big and there are these things that are, there's so much convenience and so much hyper, um, yeah, you know, availability, hyper availability, hyper convenience. It's so easy. Like, cause I'm, I'm trying this new thing where instead of having no apps on my phone, I just have all the apps on my phone. Like I have Facebook on my phone and Facebook Messenger and all this stuff. And I'm just trying it out for a little bit. And I've never done that. And it's so convenient. You can message anyone. All my cousins in Sweden have this Facebook group that I'm in that I like didn't, that I've never written anything in because it's like, I don't want to go on my computer and do that. But now I can do it from my phone. And I can sit down while having ramen and be like, hey, I want to go to someone's house and have them sell me an ottoman in the next 30 minutes. And you can get a taker right away. You can get multiple takers right away. And then you, what I really want though 
isn't the Ottoman. What I want is the friendship. And I have this idea, this like fiction that like if I just lived in a big enough city, I could finally have a big enough population that I could find friendship and connection enough. And it's like so funny to me that I went to get an Ottoman and I thought I was going to get friend friendship out of it. But it's like I never even met the person. And it's like that's what it's like though in a city. Like you get all the convenience and you get all the loneliness. Like it's so lonely. It's so lonely, dude. And the truth up here in the mountains, I'm probably going to move away from the mountains at some point and I'm not going to know what I what I miss until I leave, but well um, what I what I will miss is probably shit like Yesterday or something, I I went to the Ridge Cafe and I sat down and I I ordered a smoothie and I ordered some Huevos Rancheros and the Huevos Rancheros are excellent. And they're like $11, dude, because inflation doesn't – like they aren't – it's so funny. Every time I'm in there, all the hippies are talking about how reasonable the prices are and everyone who works there is like, yeah – yeah, they are, but we're going to have to raise them. But they don't say the second half. They – you can just see how – they are so pained by hearing all the hippies because these hippies haven't come down off of the mountain in forever. But they use the same dollars that everyone else uses. And these mountains aren't self-sustaining. Like they, these, the Ridge Cafe gets the same fucking Cisco boxed up food that everyone else does. The fucking Cisco truck drives up the mountain and sells you the same shit. And the fucking pr- food prices, the produce prices, the material cost is the same as everywhere else. So their prices have been going up like crazy. So they have to raise their prices, but all the hippies are pressuring them into not doing that because they think they're living in some sort of self-sustaining commune. And they don't know that everything they eat is coming out of a bag from Cisco. Everything comes out of a box and you mix it with water, but it's still delicious. And it's a great huevos rancheros. And I'm sitting there and I'm having it and I'm waiting for, no I'm waiting for it outside and I took a seat on the patio at this table with a chessboard didn't even notice it was just the closest table had a chessboard on it and then this like little girl <clears throat> her weird grandpa character had just said yeah the prices here are so reasonable because that's what everyone says and then this little girl walks past me and she goes hey you want to play chess and I go nah it's like i'm dying to play chess with someone but like also nah because your grandpa smells like weed hey let's not though your grandpa has scary energy dude i'm a little bit scared of your grandpa he's got a little bit of snooze moonwicking energy snuffkin Ooh, that's another word i learned recently snuffkin chase lounge center console ottoman This is like fucking English learning podcast this week. You're welcome, bro. My uncle, who's lived here for like 50 years now, he, he, 40 years, maybe 30, I don't know, 35. He, um, I, he, he always tried to teach me English, like individual words. It's such a funny, like, it cracks me up. It's so endearing. He was always like, I must have told this on the podcast before, but he was always like, yeah, so there's some words that are really hard to remember. Like the word hose. Like a garden hose. Man, that does not sound right. But that's what it is and you have to remember it. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That doesn't sound right. In every other language, it's slang. 
Anyway, so I think we should um, drink a water. So where do we go? First one here. Yeah, so this one, it's a tepache. Que la calle. Tepache. Fermented beverage of Mexico. Cactus prickly pear. Desierto. Um, cactus prickly pear. Now, you can Google this yourself and see what this packaging look like, looks like. But this is like a sharp shade of pink contrasted with a sharp neon shade of green. And it is such a cutting color combination that it cuts straight through your eyes right into your brain. And I love it. I have such a soft spot for um, really, really sharp color clashing, clashing color combinations. Like I remember um, getting like a purple, bright neon. Like this one time when, when me and Dave were living together. <laughs> I wonder if Dave is ever going to listen to this. This is so good. I, me and Dave were living together, and we partied all the time, and it was, our house was real messy, and we had a cleaning lady and blah, 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 and the couch just got kind of grosser, and then I went to the fabrics market, and I was just like, I'm just going to get a cover for the couch, and it's just going to be – I'm just going to get a massive rectangular piece of fabric, and I'm just going to put it over the couch. And then I they didn't have like a you know 40-foot by 40-foot piece of fabric, so I had to – Ask them to sew together strips of fabric. So <clears throat> so it was like a three-foot-wide swath of one color, and then it swapped to the other color, and then it swapped back to the first color. And it was like this beautiful striped, huge piece of thing. And the colors I picked was like a, a bluish neon purple, sharp, bright blue, together with like a sharp, aggressive, like really abrasive hot pink. And <laughs> I brought it home and I put it on the couch. And I didn't know that I was doing something. I don't know what attitude I had. I don't actually remember any of my own thoughts about it. I just know that that's what I did. And then I came home and I almost said Doug. I almost said Doug. You know why I almost said Doug? Because I think Doug and Dave kind of... Um, possess or reside in the same corner of my psyche. They are like the same upper left. Um, they are older than me. There's just some wisdom there where I'm really grateful to like be spending time with someone who's older than me. And I really look up to them and they're fucking hilarious. Like there's so much laughter. Like I, I think I'm so funny and I say these hilarious things and then they quip back at me and their shit is so much funnier. And I'm so like, I get so grateful being around funny people and my God, virus threat protection just made a noise. I am so not grateful for that. But you know what I'm grateful for? I haven't had a computer virus in 20 years, so maybe I should be grateful. Maybe a little bit of a noise to rudely interrupt the podcast is okay if I haven't had a computer virus in 20 years. But so, yeah, Dave and Doug kind of are – I view them as – they're the same archetype. And god damn it, there's a lot of wisdom. Like they're so smart, both of them, with like math and like real thinking, like logical 
complicated mental constructs. Like they can keep complicated mental constructs in their brain and and you can talk them through something complicated and they follow and build a whole construct in their mind and then they will respond to something that's like smart and really constructive and like really useful that really shows that they followed and understood and like can improve upon the thought that you had. God damn it, I'm so grateful for that kind of shit. But so... I bring the thing home and not – I bring the couch cover home and not Doug but Dave. This is like classic 2008. We're living on Shi uh, Lu. <laughs> We're living my people's square in Shanghai. It's so good. And I bring home this couch cover and it's like such a – two colors that don't go. And then Dave looks at it and he's like – he just – he was so resigned because he know he knew that I was like this young person who just wasn't a good listener. And I had ideas and I just made my ideas happen. And the ideas weren't good ideas. And it's, you just kind of had to be along for the ride. So we had this really resigned, frustrated way of saying, wow, they really don't teach you about color theory in Sweden, do they? <laughs> or something like that. Opposing. Now, he probably said it even smarter with something about like opposing color component, you know. There's a lot of color theory has a lot of cool words about it. But anyway, so this can here of Tepache, it's really uh, reminding me of that because someone here made the same choice of just being like, we're going to pick colors that make your eyes blink. Like you look straight at it and then you, your eyes to start blinking because it's too much. Can I open this? <clears throat> okay. Don't know why that was so hard. Had to pick a had to grab a coin to open a can. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe one day I'll learn how to open a can of sparkling water, but let's smell it. So, some of these tepaches I've, like, been a huge fan of. Like, there was a spicy one from De La Calle Tepache. There was a spicy one. It was, like, a spicy watermelon, spicy fruit, something. It was. It's so good. And I have high hopes for this one. Very, very strange smell. Prickly pear. Prickly pear cactus. Just like very strange. Let's taste it. Oh, that's weird. Oh, it tastes like TV static and it tastes like colorful TV static. It tastes like green and red TV static. Oh, it tastes like pixel art. Oh, it's like kind of gross. It, oh, it actually made a tear fall out of my eye and roll down my cheek. That's how much of a like complete, like it's the same as when I learned the word Ottoman and your eyes roll back in your head and you're like, and you're like, I have this like enormous flashback to all the moments when you've heard the word Ottoman without knowing what it meant. This somehow had the same like complete sort of like soul freeze. It just froze over my soul for a second. Like, like God puts a taser up to your soul. Yeah, I don't know that that's good, but that's weird as fuck. That's all I can say about it. Because it's like sour and sweet and prickly AF. So I think that's an eight. I think, long story short, that's an eight. Okay, so let's talk about the next thing here. The next thing is that it's the beginning of the year and I have a New Year's resolution and my New Year's resolution is that I have to stop sounding like I want to take credit for everything because it's like, oh, this bothers me so much at work. Like we'll be 
in the office and there's like four different managers working on four different things. And then I have this way of, I think I'm pretending like I am just checking in with people and just explaining what's going on. Like I think 33% of what I'm doing is that I don't want anyone to think that I'm just slacking off and not working. So I say what I just did. But then when I say what I just did, like what I just spent two hours on, like, you know, maybe there's 30 voicemails on the fucking uh, answering machine at work from guests that have called about like a hundred different issues. And someone has to like call all of them back. And it's like this grueling, super boring task. And I'll sit down and I'll do it. But then when I tell the group that I did that, immediately I hear myself say it. And I realize that all it sounds like is like I am just asking for a compliment or validation. And it sounds like I have mommy issues. It sounds like I grew up in a place where whenever I did anything, I like told my mom about it and she complimented me on it a lot. And maybe that's true, you know? Maybe I have mommy issues, but it's like, so not charming when you're in a office with a bunch of high-powered women who have never gotten validation, like who are just givers of validation and like workhorses. They're just like presentable workhorses. They just work and it's like thankless and it's hard work, much harder than my work maybe. And here I am man-child with mommy issues being like me i call the people back can i have a compliment can you tell me can you tell me i'm good oh i'm so can you tell me i'm good i need validation and it's like so gross and i have to stop it and i don't know how to control it and i keep doing it and i keep saying things where it just sounds like i just need validation and I have to just be okay with knowing that I did my job and that I don't need to. It's hard. Maybe I'm just an over-communicator. I also like email way more. Like at the end of my work week, I always send out these emails where I'm like, I'm like, okay, so here's five things that I'm like, that I couldn't, that it wasn't possible for me to finish because I'm waiting for a response and now I'm going away for two days. So like if anything happens with these things, like just here's where we're at in this process. And to me, it's like, I don't know. It would be so weird for me to not send that email because it's like such a weird ball drop. But the weird thing is that no one else sends emails like that. But everyone else also does stuff. But do they like just finish all their stuff on their own? Or do they... Maybe they just don't email it. Maybe they're more like about saying it. And I'm more like, I think I'm like an enormous emailer. I like always break up. I break hearts with email, you know, like a long email is how I'll break a heart. Or like, I think I've always been too much of an emailer. Or sometimes I send these like, sometimes I'll send an email to like 40 friends where I'm like, Hey, so I read this book about like 
Howard Hughes and Joan Didion was like, oh yeah, the real soul of America is like these four adjectives. And I write down these four adjectives and talk about the adjectives. And then I'm like, okay, so what about China? Like, I'm pretty sure this adjective and like, what are the other three adjectives that you guys would say are the soul of China? And I like write a long email like that and send it to like 40 of my friends. And I'm like, why do other people, other people don't do that? Like, I don't think other people do that. And I don't think it's as cool as I think it is. You know? Like, I think I should be ashamed of myself. I think the written word is most of the time embarrassing. Yeah. Is that right? I think maybe it's better to just, hey, I don't know, man. Because I think an email is the most polite. Because an email, you can just... You can just click and then not read, and then that's fine. But talking at someone, it they can't walk away, you know? It's also why I fucking podcast, bro. I podcast so that I don't have to talk at someone for two hours about stuff I was thinking about. I, I, I podcast so that I can – so that in real life I can be a listener instead. Oh, God. What a hero you are, Joachim. Joachim, comma, hero. <laughs> <laughs> I love this dude. I love this dude. It's so funny, man. This cracks me up. That is so funny. I'm so stupid. I might be the stupidest person I've ever met. <sighs> I just want to be normal. <clears throat> just be normal. I think I'm getting to a place and time in my life where if I could magically just become normal, I would. Like, Everyone is always like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to shave down your rough edges, you know, you want to have this like unique flavor to you. But it's like, I don't know, dude, I'd kind of give, I'd, I'd give up on it all, bro. I'd give up on it all for like a hundred bucks or like, you know, to bring one dead friend back from the, bring them back to the land of the living or something. I'd be a normie. I'd be someone living in North Natomas selling Ottomans and not even, and just putting them outside of the door. I'd be that level of normie where you're just like city normie. Man, you know what that experience also reminded me of? That one line in the uh, Bo Burnham song. Ooh, what's this song called? Oh, That Funny Feeling is what the song is called. Where the best line in that whole song, and everyone loves that song, and everyone loves every line, but everyone has a favorite line, and my favorite line is... Um, a book on getting better, a book on getting better hand delivered by a drone. Cause I think it's such good micro poetry. Like there's so much, first of all, a book on getting better is so much more beautiful phrasing than saying self, a self-help book, like self-help. Th- those are such ugly words. Whereas a book on getting better is such beautiful phrasing and then hand-delivered, juxtaposed with the concept of a drone. A drone does not have hands. It's such beautiful. Like, there's so much baked into one sentence. And it's, like, exactly what that is. It's, like, you just wanted human connection. And you buy a book 
on feeling better, but what you need to feel better is human connection. And so you want a human being to come to your house and deliver the book and give you a little bit of human connection because you don't even want the book. But then it's a drone delivering the book and you want the Ottoman. And it's like, it's not about the Ottoman. It's about how her husband is like six, seven years older than you. And and maybe he could finally teach you how to watch American football, you know? <clears throat> but uh, what was I talking about? I always sound like I need to take credit. It's not just that I need validation. It's about taking credit. And that is just so not cute. It's not cute. It's not charming. And it's so gendered. It comes off as so fucking gendered. I hate it. I fucking hate it so much. I just want to apologize to everyone. I just want to apologize to everyone I've ever met. That's how I feel. Let's drink another water. Okay, so this is a sway again. We've done a couple of these. Jesus, does this have a bunch of caffeine? No, I ask that every episode and it doesn't, right? Oh, Jesus, it does. Okay, so, oh God, am I going to drink this? Okay, so we're just going to have one sip. Passion fruit. Ooh, that's actually just... Oh, that's so delicious. That's so killer that that's caffeinated and I can't drink it. Oh, what a poison pill. Just want to drink it. Oh, that's delicious. That's the most seductive 9 out of 10. Oh, God. So I looked up what, because I talked about it last episode, like what does Coca-Cola contain and how interesting is it that we've had, I've had hundreds of gallons of it in my youth, but I, to me, it's just this one flavor and I don't know what it's from. And I looked up what the theories are and what we know and stuff. And it contains Coca-Cola, the most artificial, just like singularity black sludge of pop culture. Contains cinnamon, lemon, orange, neroli, coriander, nutmeg, and vanilla. It contains meg of the nut. Nut of the meg. And coriander. Like how boring and earthy are those things like how can something so earthy it's really like the leap from like how we take a rock and turn it into a hammer and then we have semiconductors and make fucking microchips to going from nutmeg to coca-cola it's the same leap also of those things i read if you're anything like me the one word you don't know what it means out of the words i said is neroli so let me help you out it's an essential oil Whenever you hear that something is an essential oil, anyone who's like a real person will just be like, okay, yeah, stop listening immediately. Because it's like, okay, yeah. Oh, oh, essential oil? I'm just going to go ahead and stop listening immediately. It's It's like the human version of putting yourself on mute. Like, oh, did you know about this essential oil? And then anything that they say after that is just their lips are moving, but no sound is coming out. And you're just thinking about something else. Um, Yeah. This other thing, man, that I've been thinking about, it's like, now I'm going to talk about a bunch of, now we're doing rapid fire podcasting. I think it's so fucking weird that we don't know what we're supposed to do inside of our brains to fall asleep. Like, I spend so much time meditating and developing this, like, really aware, strong meditation habit. And then many meditators, meditation teachers talk about this weird um, 
inverse relationship between being good at meditation and being bad at sleeping. Because it's almost like the better you become at meditation, the better you become at just never losing your sense of presence, which actually makes it harder to fall asleep because there's some trick to falling asleep that no one has, like, I've never even heard anyone try to explain what the trick is. Like, how do we fall asleep? What is it that we do inside of the brain? Because we do something, like I lay down and I can't sleep and I haven't been able to sleep and I lay there and it's like my brain is thinking about stuff and it's like, what, am I supposed to take hold of my thoughts and stop them and make no thoughts? Or am I supposed to relax and and watch my thoughts from a distance until I can't even hear my thoughts because I have fallen asleep? Or am I supposed to turn my thoughts into a dream? Or am I like, what is the thing? Like, we know we have all these physical things we can do. Like, you lay down like this and you pull a, put a fucking pillow between your thighs so that you're between your knees so that your legs and every all the skeletal muscular stuff is all relaxed and maybe you lay on your side so you can so you can do body gas or maybe you don't so you don't or whatever you know sleep but but it's like what about the inside of the brain though like how is that such a big part of the human experience and such a big problem for so many people but we have no one even trying to like come up with an explanation of what it feels like or what it is that we should be doing. That's fucking crazy to me. Anyway, um, so I saw this meme on the internet. Now it's doing a next topic here. I saw this meme on the internet. I just love this. It's so bad whenever I try to re-explain memes, but I do it anyway. Because I have to. I re-explain memes, therefore I am. Um, here's the meme. It's from 4chan. Be three years old. Standing in the living room next to leather sofa. For no apparent reason, think to myself, I will remember this moment. And I still remember that moment. It's like, I love that. I love how I've, it's, I just love that feeling of when you have some experience yourself that you think is so weird and it's so pleasant to just know that someone else had that experience too. Like I have all these kid memories where I just thought about my own brain and just thought about how, this is probably a memory, I think to myself, laying in my bed. And then I still remember that moment. And there was nothing to the moment, more than like some sort of brute force memory making. Like some kind of like, you you like switch it into manual. Your brain is automatic, but you like hit flick some switch and just put it in manual for a few seconds and just run the whole thing manually for five seconds. And in those five seconds, you just tell yourself, make a memory. And you just make a memory. And it's just like a flashbulb memory of nothing. So crazy. Okay, let's drink another water. So the next water here, uh, San Pellegrino, blood orange, and black raspberry. Here's the thing. Don't know if I've already reviewed this. Didn't look it up on my website like I always do. Just like how Lil Wayne will Google himself when he writes a lyric and he's not sure if he already, um, if he already said that on a song already because he made so many fucking songs. He Googles himself. He Googles Lil Wayne lyric and then the thing he wants to say. And then when he said that to Eminem, Eminem was like, I do that too. 
and it's so cute. And then <laughs> what I do is I go on my own website and I search and I search for San Pellegrino and I see if I've reviewed it already, but I don't know if I have, and I'm not going to check because I'm going to review this anyway, because Brit gave me this for Christmas and Brit is a fucking star and I love her. Oh, I hope I'm friends with Brit forever. Brit is everyone I want to meet in Sacramento rolled into one person. I hope Brit, I hope she'll give me the Ottoman, you know, blood orange. Okay. I had really low expectation, expectations. Because I've had a bunch of San Pellegrinos and they're gross and they taste like weird, unfresh soda. Like a really, really uncomfortable no man's land between a LaCroix and a Sprite. Where they land not little enough for it to be this fresh, watery LaCroix thing. And not much enough for it, for it to be this like quenching, um, absolute fucking... You know, everything turned up to 11 Fanta Sprite experience. This like sharp, big experience. San Pellegrinos are this, this weird, uncanny valley in between. But this one is light, like a LaCroix. And it's blood orange, but it's mostly black raspberry, actually. It's a little bit of berry, and it's really watery. And those are some really big, loose, relaxed bubbles. And it's awesome. It's awesome. That's a uh, 10 out of 10 because Brit gave it to me. Okay. Next thing I want to talk about here. I think I'm going to make the case now for how I think America is not going into a civil war because I think Americans are finding a way to just disagree, disagree with each other and be pissed, but be it in this like we've entered the passive aggressive era. Like there was January 6th was probably the the absolute peak of when we didn't know if it was going to become physical. And then so much of the stuff before and after that had to do with QAnon. And then so enough, many, enough of those people who would read the Q drops and be on the Q forums and really believe in the Q stuff, enough of those people have actually de-brainwashed themselves and understood that actually, though, if you think about it with any modicum of logic and reasonableness, you cannot possibly claim that Q was good at, like Q made clear, like there's a clear, just meaning to words, black and white meaning to his predictions and however much you want to like bend it out of shape and stuff, you have to admit that there were clear predictions and nothing fucking panned out. And I'm frustrated with how long it took and I'm frustrated with all these different things and I'm frustrated with how the first thing Q ever wrote was tomorrow Hillary Clinton will be arrested and then she wasn't. And then somehow after that being the first message he ever sent, People were like, oh, he's so good at predicting stuff. And I do, I'm, it's so frustrating to me that somehow we ended up here. But we did. And I just watched that movie, This Place Rules, by the weird teenage, young, early 20s guy in like a tan suit who like interviews people. Who I, man, that movie was so close to being really good and it's like really bad. And it's such a funny 
it's really funny how it's really bad because he goes to all these Trump rallies and stuff and he's going to go to January 6th and, and it, the movie builds up towards that and he interviews all the Proud Boys and the Proud Boy leaders and he interviews Alex Jones and he gets complete access to all the best people. And he's about to make this great movie and he's about to be there up close with the leaders of the Proud Boys as they break into the Capitol building. But then he gets COVID three days before January 6th and he's like in bed for the whole thing and he just misses everything. And the whole movie sucks. <laughs> also, it's so he's, – he's so young and he's not that stupid and he's not that smart. He's right in between where like – He's almost says it, and what he should say is how he just wants to put these interview these people and put their words out, and you can puzzle it together to whatever interpretation of America you want yourself. Because he's not the guy. Like a twenty-one-year-old guy is not the guy to be like really have a high-level political explanation for shit. Because a high-level political explanation for shit. For that, you need a 36-year-old Swede. <laughs> okay, tortured laugh, tortured laugh. I hate myself. I hate myself, but I just want to bring you this piece of evidence here that I think is funny. I read a – okay, so on Facebook, a picture was posted of the building of the World Trade Center, which is – it's a Facebook group called Historical Photos. That's it. And they just post – Pictures from the Dust Bowl, pictures of old cars, just old photos. And it's interesting. You just see an old photo of something. And then this time they show a picture of the World Trade Center as it's being constructed. And it's all rebar. That's the stage they're at in construction. And there's a man standing there looking into the camera. And you can see the first, you know, like 40 stories or something of just rebar. It's like an incredibly wide large base it's hundreds of feet wide like the world trade center was an enormous building uh two buildings but incredible anyway so you have this photo and then the comment section is what i want to talk about here now this is going to be hard to read out loud because internet speak is a little bit hard to read out loud and back and forth is a little bit hard to read out loud but the point is that <sighs> The point is, let me read it maybe first. So someone commented on it the following. It's wild to think a bomb didn't face them at all, but two aircraft brought them down at the free fall speed into their own footprint. Wild. And when you read that, you're like, what does he mean? Like, what does he mean by wild? Does he mean that, like, is he a 9-11 truther? Because it's not totally clear. And then someone responds to that comment and goes, my favorite part is when the aluminum aircraft sheath flew right through the concrete and steel girders. Now, this guy is a 9-11 truther. And his profile picture is a yin-yang thing. So you know that he's some sort of like, you know that he's that sort of like, he's heard of Buddhism one time, white guy, Asian guy. Oh, God. Just like so annoying. Anyway, then someone responds to that guy and goes – because the guy goes, my favorite part is when the aluminum air aircraft sheath flew right through concrete and steel girders. And then someone responds to that and goes, that's physics for you. Nothing wild about it. And then a new guy goes, yeah, two fully loaded with fuel jumbo jets. 
that's an incredible amount of heat. And then some fifth person goes, yep, thumbs up. And then some other person goes, into their own fit footprint, into a fine powder, at the rate that indicates very little resistance. And then someone else goes, not really, question mark. And what I want to highlight here is, God damn it, it's hard to read things out loud and, and come uh, bring across what I want to say. But what I want to say is about, about it is that we've reached a very passive aggressive, like people used to be so angry about this stuff. And now we've reached this part where it's like, it's not like people agree because they really don't. Some people are just, they just have put on the liberal American tinfoil hat and they're just like, oh my God, everything is real. Science is real. Fauci is real. And then some people are like, everything is made up. Joe Biden is a lizard. And both things are like really dug in in a, in a really World War I style uh, trench war where the, the lines aren't moving. But we've entered a part of the war where no bullets are being fired. And now we're just sitting here passive aggressive. It's like everyone's just like, oh, yeah, it's sure is wild that uh, two airplanes could just sort of like fly through the whole thing and then make the whole thing fall at free fall. And, uh, you know, and then someone else is like, yep, it's not really that wild. It's just physics. And then someone else is like, yep, just free fall, you know, into a fine powder at a rate that indicates very little resistance, you know. And then someone else is like, yep, that's what happened. And it's like this extremely... Post everything time where I'm very hopeful about it because I really feel like, look, man, the Trump thing was weird, but it's like that was the QAnon thing, the Trump thing, like that was too much. And I really feel good about Ron DeSantis because he's so old school shitty. He's shitty within the framework of saying things like, hey, we're going to have an election and if I lose the election, I'm going to lose the election. That's it. I'm not just going to make shit up. We're going to do democracy again. And I am so fucking okay with horrible Republicans that I don't agree with in, on anything. But as long as they say within the framework of democracy, basic shit about the Constitution and norms, all the shit Trump took a shit on. My God, I feel so good about Ron DeSantis. Excuse me, a little, little sparkling water burp there. I love Ron DeSantis. Let's have a little more San Pellegrino because Britt gave it to me. Ah, that is so watery. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. That is just absolutely wonderful. Okay, last thing I want to talk about, and this is silly because I wrote something down about this that I wanted to talk about it, but then I don't remember if I ever talked about it and forgot, and now I'm going to repeat myself for this whole thing, but I think I wrote it down, wrote down just some notes in a Word document that I reread before I started recording just now, and I don't think I ever talked about it, and it's like, I had this thought, I watched the show Station Eleven, and I think it wasn't a very good show, it doesn't really come together, I didn't really like it. Um, I'm a little bit offended that Javi watched it and said I should watch it because I think it's a little bit bad taste, the whole thing. And I really, I'm a little bit offended that he would think that that's my taste. But, but it had some nice stuff and it really makes you think about representation 
because it has all these like characters that aren't just like old white guys because everything is just old white guys in old Hollywood. And then instead it has all these other types of people. And it does stuff about it where representation, like new Hollywood does representation shitty because it just replaces everyone with people of color in a way that's like not their story and just put them in the shoes of white people. You just wrote a white story and made black people act it out. And then you say, haha, we put black people in the story. But it's like, it was just nothing, like there was nothing in it that spoke to anything about those people. And there's something about Station Eleven that it actually does well because it does stuff with how, like it, it's a show with all these different storylines, but the, there's like this one thing of how, a pandemic happens, right? And um, it's a flu and it kills like 99.9% of all people and only like a few people survive. And the people who survive are people who sort of just, when the pandemic hits, they just lock themselves in a room. So there's this thing that the pandemic is hitting and there's this little white girl. I can't, it's so fucking weird. I don't remember if I've said all of this already on the podcast, but I'm going to say it all again. When the pandemic hits, this little white girl ends up just being on the street with this like 30-something Indian man. And he is going to his brother's house. And he, the Indian guy is realizing that the girl cannot get a hold of her parents and that a pandemic is hitting and that she doesn't have anywhere to go and cell phones stop working. So he just like has to help her. And I am absolutely not sure about if I've talked about this before. It's such an interesting feeling to be exactly 50-50 split. Like, it's completely 50-50. I'm completely on the fence. I'm not leaning either way. Um, anyway, so they end up in an apartment and it's two Indian dudes in their mid-30s and a white girl. And there's something so specific about feeling like all of your shit falls away when a disaster happens so that it doesn't matter that you're different. And there's something like meaningful in the fact that they're Indian because you couldn't tell that story with white people. And there's something that's, there's something in there about representation. Like good representation is like when the story couldn't have been told with white people. Not when you tell it with people of color or, you know, just whatever, you know, you make everyone a lesbian. Just because you make everyone a lesbian, that's not good. It's like the shit is when you tell the story and it could only be told by lesbians. And man, that's a lesson I need to learn. Um, or like there's these scenes where it's just like, it's just lingering on someone's face. Like there's this black lady and she just has this interesting face and there's this interesting camera work where her feet are just like, it's just filming her feet standing in sand with the waves going on her feet. And her feet just look so different. And the camera work like with black skin, it just is its own thing, you know, where you just, oh God, so, okay, going a very problematic direction there. But but it's just like ha watching film, watching film, shot by someone who has taken the time to learn how to do lighting and everything to make 
her feet beautiful is pleasant because it's fresh and it's new. And we have watched a hundred years of film and television with an old Hollywood that got really good at showing white feet and making white feet really beautiful. So we're a little bit tired of seeing just a bunch of white feet. So so that part of Station Eleven was good, and I had more to say about it, but I can't remember if I already said all of this, so I'm just going to give up and, and stop saying anything. Um, yeah, dude. I don't know. I think that... I think that might be the whole episode. Yeah. I love you guys. I love you guys. If you um if you listened all the way to the end of this episode, maybe you should take a moment and um recommend the podcast to a friend, you know? So that you can have a shared frame of reference. Because you're if you're a a sparkling super fan, then that means that you're probably gonna wanna you're probably gonna wanna reference stuff that we're talking about. Not that I was right, but just that I said something that you want to disagree with. And for you to have that conversation with your friend, your friend also has to listen to my thing, me being wrong. So maybe I can be this sort of baseline where I'm wrong and then you and your friend can sit around and talk about what the actual answer is and how it's different from my answer but anyway i love you and 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 thank you thank you for listening to the podcast